Hello, and welcome to a hazy morning edition of You Made Me Watch That. It's like midnight when people are listening to this. Come on. <laughs> Cut. Or, start over. No, this is it. Where two film studies professors aim to expand each other's cinematic knowledge, one recommendation at a time. I am your co-host, Wickham Flanagan. And I am your co-host, Colleen Kennedy-Carpa. We can, we can reference when we're recording it. That you know puts people in the mindset of like how we're feeling as we are do you listen to podcasts um yeah sure (laughs) sometimes they reference like the day or the night or whenever they're filming it don't they not in the intro not in the intro this episode we are discussing uh appropriately um given this this casual discourse um jim jarmusch which we've already discussed but we are now discussing him more formally. We're structuring a whole episode around him. Yeah, we were talking about Tilda. We were talking about Tilda. Tilda Swinton, yes, in so, the context of Only Lovers Left Alive. And the uh, vampire no, movie. vampires. Yes, the vampire movie. But right. The, her performance in Only Lovers Left Alive. But the, the episode was the episode on vampires. The episode was on vampires, vampires yes. yes. But we always focus on Tilda. And, and Tilda vampires, radiates, really. shines beyond the film. <laughs> she sure um, does. If only she was in more Jarmusch films, which I guess she's one of the regulars now. Focusing on my recommendation. She was in Broken Flowers. Have she was? Seen? Yeah, yeah. She was one of the girlfriends in Broken she Flowers. She was. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, I yeah. completely forgot about that. Yeah. Focusing on my recommendation of Mystery Train. And my recommendation of Dead Man. Dead Man. Dead Man. Possibly uh, the best Jarmusch. Possibly the best Jarmusch. Yeah. I, I personally think that Down by Law... Is, That's is your his best. That is my my personal favorite. I recommended Mystery Train. You had already seen Down by Law. Yes, um, years ago. I should rewatch it. We were, I should say that we decided to do a Jarmusch episode because uh, Mubi Turkiye yes. reopened its Jarmusch archive, and suddenly there's a bunch of his films available. Um, so we thought that we'd take this opportunity to fill our gaps and do an episode about it. Um, I have just... Uh, you have uh, several stacks of paper in front I, of you. I do, and I wrote some of them, which is great, because I, I it was long enough ago that I forgot <laughs> that I've written it, which means I can actually read it and go, oh, there's some I didn't know that happened here. to him. I, well, yeah, exactly. So I'm relearning what I wrote <laughs> um, about Jarmusch. Um, this is for Drama Criticism, which is a journal slash um, database. I did an entry for drama criticism on Jim Jarmusch and sort of a retrospective of his work. And that was a lot of fun. So really revisiting him and and his films and scholarship on Jarmusch, which I have to say, as I was talking about before the podcast, given that Jarmusch has been around for more than 40 years, he just turned 70 this year. So big birthday for Jim Jarmusch. Um, He's been around for more than 40 years making films since the early 80s. Um, given how many films he's done and how long he's been around, there is a vanishingly small bibliography um, in scholarship devoted to Jarmusch, which I, I just find very, very curious. Um, a lot of what's there is very good. Uh, and I think later in the episode, I'll try to you know shout out some of these scholars who've written so intelligently on his work. Uh, but it just it's 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 puzzling to me because his work is it's just so it, it invites so many questions, I think. And yet, they don't seem to be questions that uh, are pursued in a serious scholarly manner as often as I think they maybe should be. Yes, you said something um, as you were watching or rewatching one of these movies that I found to be one of the most uh, like film school comments <laughs> um, I've ever heard you say. Um, oh, no. I can't find it now, but it was something to the effect of... I didn't even go to film school. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, watched my Jarmusch at work today. That stuff just digs into your soul. Yeah, it does. Um, and I don't <laughs> think you've ever referred to anything... As quite, digging into your soul. As digging into your soul well, quite I, the I, same way. I, I will say that I, I find myself, and this is partially because I'm also working on Varda at the moment, again, from a scholarly perspective. Yes. Varda is a director, whether you like her film that you just watched or not, you, you realize that that's beside the point. You realize very quickly liking... No, but it's she will not waste your time. Right. Even if you watch the thing and go, eh, not for me. Like, there's enough in there, you know, grains of ideas that can really take root and bear fruit. It's it's the kind of stuff that sticks with you. I mean, I, I just think Varda's one of those directors as well. She had a six-decade-plus career 
I've never seen a film of hers that is a waste of time. And you would say that I would, would be say the same thing about Jarmusch. Jarmusch. And I would say that this about Jarmusch as well. He tends to command time. Time is very much a theme of his work in a way that it isn't always with Varda, but just consistently. I mean, he wants you to sit there with him. Yeah. And you know, doesn't demand it in a real sort of showy way. But in order to really get into it, you do have to spend the time. I can't imagine, um, you know, watching these films on like fast forward, though I imagine the impulse yeah. now that we have the technology to do this, I imagine the impulse is there. I'm urging everyone, don't do that. <laughs> Not to Jim Jarmusch, please. Well, what I will say about Jarmusch is that the, there is an element of wasting time as well. And and, and wasting not in a d- directly negative sense, but just sort of um, allowing moments to breathe or allowing the absurdity of situations to play out more naturally. He's not as invested as, yeah, as rushing to the to the finish in part that the the joy of a lot of his films, especially down by law is these weird little like almost bits um, Mm -hmm. like Roberto Benigni or um, Tom Waits just sort of riffing. And, and it's, it's, it's more about the, the kind of the moments in between the big kind of what you would consider narrative beats that are the more fun aspects of it. I do think that there is a quality though, that especially (laughs) dead man has this where you're just sort of like, okay, we can get to the next cool scene now, you know, that um and, and and I do think that maybe Varda technically is has more maybe more ambition to that you can kind of pinpoint from one moment to the next. Yeah. I mean hers shift and, and hers shift. Yeah. Her her ambitions do shift throughout her career and you can sort of chart them a little bit. And her films are really you know, generically often quite different from one another. She does have a sci-fi film in Les Creatures. She has, um, some people have called it a musical. I think I dispute this, but, you know, one sings, the other doesn't. Uh, it's called a musical. And, and she does documentaries and things like that. And, you know, Jarmusch also has done documentaries, which I haven't really seen. No, neither uh, have I. The, the music documentaries, particularly. He, he went on tour with Neil Young back in the 90s. That explains um, He's done he a bunch up. of yeah, music videos. He's sort of kind of the, the dark horse of these, you know, 90s directors who kind of got footing in music videos, although by that point he was already pretty well established. And as good buddies with Iggy Pop. Yeah, and a bunch of musicians and Tom Waits, obviously. Yeah. And I got to say, I mean, given that this guy, like, like I, it, the other thing that struck me by wa- watching Mystery Train, and I, I admit that, you know, Dead Man is not the proof that you would uh, drag out for this claim, but what, what I also really appreciate is that Jarmusch clearly likes women. <laughs> Like just, he treats them very, very well. Yeah. Uh, generally, throughout his oeuvre, he's interested. They get to be people, and I mean, for somebody who likes Tom Waits as much as Jarmusch does, <laughs> liking women is not a given. I gotta say. Though I do think that in something like Down by Love, they are not the the focus of the film. No, 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 no. But I, I mean, I am not. I don't think you have to focus on women to show that you like women. I mean, Dead Man also, again, is not what you would, what you would put in there as, as proof. But, you know, the way that he treats um, um, the, the middle story in Mystery Train mm-hmm. with this you know, Italian woman who has just lost her husband and has to you know, accompany the casket back to Europe. That's sort of the, the premise of the middle story, um, which we're going to, I guess, we'll get into Mystery Train first here. Um, it just... Yeah, she's not hysterical about it. She's obviously very melancholy, but she's you know managing things on her own, and there's mm-hmm. absolutely no judgment right. from, uh, from his part on you know, how she's managing things. Um, Dee Dee, this woman that she meets, um, has just left her partner, played by Joe Strummer, who we find in the third section, and you know, and she's obviously totally cool to do it. Just like, all right, like he screwed up and you left, okay, like just. Just there, there's and also with the Japanese couple in the first, I think you know he seems to sympathize a lot more with well, she does the young most woman. Of the, the talking, she does most of the talking. Yeah, <laughs> he's just too cool to even say anything. He just does lighter tricks yeah. the entire time, which is the main <laughs> thing I remember about Mystery Train is wanting to do cool tricks with the lighter. lighter. Well, she's the one who lights it with her toes. That's true. That's true. They both <laughs> they both can light yeah. things effectively. Yeah. 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 So yeah, Mystery Train, um, just to get into the structure a little bit, it's yeah. structured kind of like... Anthology, sort of. A, a little bit, yeah, like a trilogy um, with intersecting moments that sort of tell us that we're watching the same time. Again, it's the same time period playing out mm-hmm. for these three different sets of characters whose fates do intersect in 
you know, not exact. It's not like, um, what is it? Is it Babel that does this? And then also, what was it? Crash, where it's yes. just like everything has to intersect <laughs> with like literal explosions. Like, like Jarmish is not into this. <laughs> no, I, I, the, when watching Mystery Train, you're not thinking of Babel. No, too much. no. Um, I mean, this is obviously before any of that was happening. But yes. it's just, it's so low key, and it's really just like. Oh yeah, there's the train at 2 a.m. that's rolling along the tracks, and you sort of start putting together what was happening with the previous story at that time, what's happening now, and, and it's a, they all sort of converge right at a hotel run yes. by Screamin' Jay Hawkins, yes, of all people, who's um, delightfully sort of I don't know if cantankerous is the word, but he's uh, <laughs> he's just a very very good character, <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, I mean, they're all really good characters. That's that's Jarmish does character. He's the first yeah. person to admit that he's not super into plot, and that his films are really about the characters. Yes, yeah. And and if if that sounds like something you would vibe with, again, he will not waste your time. There are better films, there are worse films, but he will not waste your time if you want to invest that time in these characters. That's that's my feeling of this. Okay. So. Yeah, I mean, I could rank my Jarmushes, but I, it, but none of them limits are a waste of control. Of time. I will go on record as saying is you keep wasting saying your this. time. I, I, mm. You just like his coat. <laughs> I, I do. We'll get to Isaac de Bancolet in bespoke suits. It's a very nice Chef's suit. Kiss, but Chef's that is not kiss. enough to make a movie. Haya Mabas is in that one. She, she's yeah, she's great. Okay, I didn't get that far, or I don't remember <laughs> I that. Not. I just remember him in a suit. <laughs> um. No, I, I enjoy Mystery Train. I, I think um, where where I get sort of tripped up on Jarmusch is the, 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 the there's a ponderous sort of self importance to limits of control, like that I don't feel like is evident in a lot of his movies. I enjoy in Down by Law just the the easygoing nature of it, which mm-hmm. I think is something that he um, is really good about. Even in the context of cool vampires, they're still very easygoing, cool vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, and that 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 eternal sense of cool is something I think we talked about with Only Lovers Left Alive. That I think Jarmusch, and just how goofy he is, and how and how willing he is, yeah, to just sort of spend time with these eclectic characters in these sort of sort of very specific scenarios, yeah, um, and just watching them, yeah, and not sort of not observing. from the sort of like creepy voyeuristic way, no, just again, it's just like like lovingly watching yes, them, yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, I think that's it's it's a it's a total shift in vibe. And now I'm gonna pose a challenge to you, Wickham, yeah. and I am posing the same challenge to myself. We need to get through the rest of this podcast without using the word "cool" to describe Jarmish. Okay. It is sure. the word that is always used to describe. What is another Jim word for it? What would you well, use? Well, we have to be more creative. Okay. I, I'm, I'm um, this, again, it's a challenge. We might fail at this smooth, challenge. Smooth. Oh, no, that's not the right vibe. That's Dead man's the, this, not very this is the problem. He embodies cool. So I'm I'm just again. But what let's does try that mean? Be, Jim Jarmish. Like if you look up cool in the dictionary, you have a picture. <laughs> Jim Charmish right next to it. I understand why this word keeps coming up when people talk about chill, it. but that no chill that, vibes, man. I, I mean, cannibalism. That's what I wrote in my oh <laughs> for chill. Dead man, yeah, yes. chill cannibalism <laughs> vibes. Well, um, well, gosh, mystery. Tra- Here's the other problem with Jarmish that I think yeah. that that kind of impedes scholarship. As soon as you've summarized <laughs> what the movie is about, it's like, well, okay, that's it. Well, mystery train. I was going to say it's Mr. fascinating because it's it's that's it. Yeah, yeah. that's the movie, and it, and, it, and it makes it sound like it's not a recommendation. No, it firmly, firmly is. Well, people I mean, get really. shot, right? Mystery train. There's some. Yeah, not till the end. Yeah, there's some, there's poor, some violence. It's, it's it's a very okay. I'm not going to spoil it, but it's a very unsurprising person who gets shot. Yes, and honestly, as soon as I saw him in the first one, he shows up for like a little cameo in the first. You thought one. he I was going to get shot? Oh yeah, like oh something terrible is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to say that Mystery Train. What I appreciate it in a similar way to Down by Law, and one reason why I would recommend it is because it has that kind of effortless quality of just hanging out with a bunch of interesting people. Mm-hmm. And 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 I've seen other examples, like even Broken Flowers. Yeah. Which I enjoy. There, Broken Flowers has this like, I don't know, because it's Bill Murray probably. It has this kind of angsty, kind of melancholy. Maybe angsty is the wrong yeah. word. Uh, what? what no, I think that's yeah. exactly right. It's it's a like late middle aged crisis. Yeah, but it's still it's still a little angstful. Yeah. Right, 
but maybe maybe I haven't reached that point in my life yet. I don't know. Maybe well, Broken Flowers will. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I want to say when I watched it, but I, I think that I enjoy Jarmusch more when he's in that kind of down by law mystery train. Yeah. Even Only Lovers Left Alive sort of mode of hanging out with these people in a very mm-hmm. specific location, like yes. the Elvis connection. Yes, play. And, it's Memphis. Yes. But it's it, what's funny is it's Memphis at a remove. Like we don't really mm-hmm. we we don't get like we were talking in our John Wick episode about the sort of postcard pictures of Paris that we get to yes. the sort of you know nickel tour of the big we don't there's none of this he takes his characters to all there's kinds a of different places I think of um, Elvis. only lovers left yeah. alive it's Tangier and Detroit yeah. and I mean you, you almost wouldn't know it if they hadn't said Dead where Man they it's were. the woods and Machine Machine of course it is I mean Machine yeah and it, and it doesn't really matter where Machine actually is I think it's in an Arizona. Is um, it a real place? I, I think it might be, if okay. I'm not mistaken. It's but I mean, it doesn't. It's it's not in the town. It's a beautiful long. town. I can see why mm, you would want to yeah. do a touristic no, appreciation um, of machine. Yeah, but like Memphis, and the funny thing is, is Memphis is a tourist attraction yes. to particularly the Japanese couple at mm-hmm. the beginning. They are on the train. We 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 open on the train with them going sort of across America to get there, so that they can see these you know classic places where music was made and all this and then they go actually as tourists to the sun records recording studio and it's like one room yeah about the size of the studio that we're in and the tour guide very rapidly goes through you know all the people who recorded there and then this and this and this and and they can really barely grasp a word of it because she's she's just doing the fast talking thing well i think that's also emblematic maybe you can relate to this of just like weird Towns in America, Memphis is obviously more mm-hmm. of a substantial one, but like towns in America that are known for like one or two things. Sure. And then they have like a whole little bizarre little tourist industry. A claim to fame. Yes. yes. And they milk that claim to fame. But in yeah. a very kind of quaint, like slightly goofy sort of yeah. way. Yeah. I went to a place, I think it was near Carbondale. It was like a Popeye's like where Popeye's was invented. Oh. The the comic book character. Oh, like Popeye the Sailor Man. Yeah, yeah. And it just had like like a little statue of Not the chicken joint. Popeye. No, not the chicken joint. Okay. Little statue of not, Popeye. I would not be at all surprised if Popeye's the chicken joint had a sort of <laughs> celebratory museum and well, there's the also where like it was the, founded. Like a bourbon tour. Speaking oh, well. of like food, you can like <laughs> and drink, you can like do. But um but I was just, it was just a cute little like, oh, and here's Popeye, and you can buy some Popeye trinkets, and that's yeah. your Popeye. Do you yeah. want a can of spinach? Yeah. Yeah. You know. So this I think Mystery Trink captures that of just like, that's it? Well, I guess it is. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Let's go stay at a nice Well, but hotel. the thing is, yeah, with Mystery Train, the site itself has this mythological importance. Memphis, Tennessee, mm-hmm. Graceland, music, and so on. And I mean, and that's what brings... This is what brings these this Japanese couple yeah. literally across an ocean and on God knows how many trains. But I mean, in a navigating very chill, Andrew, yeah, yeah, very yeah, chill. chill. <laughs> but but at the same time, I mean, you get there and it. I mean, as the viewer, you sort of start to understand like they're bringing this mythology and they're yeah. so excited to get there. And then what what we see when we get there is just, you know, it just sort of deflates a town in Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and I mean, and, but at the same time, it's not a narrative of disappointment. No, it is just no. this sort of measuring the distance between myth and reality, right? And coming at this, I think, first opening the film with this foreign perspective, a very foreign perspective on what's going on, is a really good way to introduce that as a theme. Yes, um, and you're right. It's not. It's not like they're upset about it no, or whatever. They, no, they're just like, oh. Okay. This is it. Yeah. And and they they've seen it, they've experienced this and and yeah, and then they get to move on. Whereas other films like you haven't seen Stranger Than Paradise, no. which is my second recommendation to you and I think, you know, if you're on the Jarmish kick, you should definitely watch that one. Um, but that's they, I mean, they, they it starts in New York, right? Um, and so New York is again the sort of like big mythological town and and um the the um what's her name Eva the the cousin from Hungary flies in to New York to see New York and a very similar sort of vibe to this Japanese couple in Mystery Train um and then the cousin who's in this ramshackle apartment in you know some far-flung borough um is, is hardly, you know, living the mythological life. And they end up taking a road trip to, you know, like relatives in Ohio. Um, and, you know, Jarmusch was born in Akron. Um, so he was raised in Ohio. This is a, a part of the country that he knows really well. 
um, and I think has really captured its vibe relative to the rest of it. He ended up going to Columbia for hmm. school, um, NYU Film School, very famously, uh, where he didn't graduate. But he was at NYU with Spike Lee um, and you know, met a bunch of people who were there at the same time, um, met his longtime partner, Sarah Driver, who is also a filmmaker. She appears briefly in Mystery Train. She's the um, flight attendant who is helping um, this Italian woman manage the, the, the casket that needs to be shipped. Uh, but anyways, it's yeah. So I mean, he he goes from you know periphery to center of culture himself, and he ends up in Paris for almost a year as an exchange student at the time. And th- this I found really interesting. Again, it's sort of my film nerd uh, nerdishness. When he's in Paris, it's still you know the founder of the Cinémathèque Française, Henri Langlois, who is programming there. So God only knows the kinds of programs that he must have had while he was in Paris. Because he initially, I think, went for a semester and just didn't want to leave. So extended his stay for a whole other term and just, you know, watching films and, and that's why you trying have a, not to flunk out of Columbia in the process. You have a particular kinship with him because he wanted to he, stay yeah, in he, Paris? He ended, I mean, again, I, I've said, like, probably the most cinephilic city in yeah. the entire world. And he sort of ends up there. And... This was his education, was just watching a bunch of eclectic stuff that Longlois puts in the Cinematheque. It just, I mean, no wonder he turned out the way he is. I mean, it's its an origin story that makes so much sense right. with the person that came Has out of the story. Has he done a story. movie set in Paris? No. Gosh, I don't think so. But that wouldn't be very Jarmish of him to do, I think. But I think he could They'd do... have to be in like the banlieue or something, he could like do outside Jar- the periphery. I he can would... see that. I can yeah, yeah. see a Jarmish Paris film. And I, I and I, going back to my main issue with Only Lovers Left Alive and Jarmish in general is that I feel like his brand lends itself to a very specific type of movie that if you know the concept of it, it becomes very evident in your imagination kind of what that film would turn out to be, you know, even, but Mystery Train and, and, and Down by Law, they're such simple premises yes. that he can kind of fill it in. Yes. Um, do you want to, do you want to move to Dead Man? Well, I just, okay. Um, I would say though, I think you're right. Like you get the premise and you think, oh, is that all there is? But yeah. in actually watching it. Yeah. I, it, there's more. Yes. There, there's more to it. And there are all these surprises. No, exactly. But I mean, I, I, I do think that that is the general problem yeah. with Jarmusch, that, that, it, it, the premise is deceptively simple, and the film itself ends up, you know, bringing more into. It. That's what I mean when I say it sort of digs into your soul, because you do start thinking about the ways that Lance, it it, uh, it Hendrickson. departs from its premise. It brings new ideas into. It. Patterson is also like this, which is another one you haven't seen. Right, and that's that deals with like poetry, right? Yes, yes, yes. So there is an inherent sort of and and Adam Driver and Patterson. I will note for our um for our Turkish listeners, Patterson. Uh, have you, do you know Patterson? Patterson is basically a little turkey in New Jersey. <laughs> like, there's so many Turks living in Patterson. <laughs> this is where my husband would go and get his hair cut when he wanted to treat himself while we were at Rutgers. So, anyways, you know, Patterson is a, Patterson is a vibe, like as a, a town, but it's apparently the the title of this William Carlos Williams poem. Um, that it. So there's all kinds of intertextuality, and here's where I can um, shout out um, this wonderful. Uh, chapter in Next Generation Adaptation, Spectatorship and Process, edited by Alan Redman. Um, the chapter is Jack Ryan's Jim Jarmusch's Patterson, Poetry, Place, and Cinematic Form that I think unpacks specifically what's going on in Patterson with these different intertexts, but really gets at the intertextuality of Jarmusch as a whole, because these are all deeply, deeply intertextual films. Mm-hmm. And it's similar in that sense to Dead Man, which also goes back to poetry, classical poetry. And again, Jarmusch was a literature major before he went to film school. So that comes through in a lot of his films. Classic poetry by way of Eraserhead. Eraserhead? Yes. Is is William Blake cited in Eraserhead too? I, I would, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't thought oh, about you mean, that. Oh, you're just comparing the, the Dead film. Man, yeah. I, I see. What if William Blake was in Eraserhead? Um, <laughs> Dead Man. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think Dead Man... Is an uh, interesting film, uh, Colleen. You're only saying interesting because I forbade you from saying the other word. It's it's cool. <laughs> you can't stop me. I could say <laughs> it. Um, I I think I enjoy it more conceptually. Again, very much like a lot of his stuff. But the thing I could say about Dead Man <laughs> is that I truly have not seen anything like Dead Man. Mm-hmm. And to that to that, I think yep. it, it's really special. I think it's a special <laughs> movie. I don't know if I enjoyed a hundred percent of it. 
Um, You're not supposed to enjoy 100%. There's there's stuff in there that you are supposed to, it's supposed to make your skin crawl. No, I enjoyed most of that. face certain really, really I enjoyed the, the skin crawling stuff. Of oh, it. well, okay. You, you forget who you're talking to, Colleen. I enjoy <laughs> dread, the feeling dread of days. dread and skin crawling and murder and uh, all the rest of it. But I just, I love the opening. I think it has one of my favorite openings mm. um, of him. and oh, it, the, the train. The train. You could just oh. call it this movie Fade to Black the movie there's so many fades to black well, it's yeah. a it's a drinking game but it's <laughs> it's that opening of him on a train johnny mm-hmm. depp yep playing william blake yeah uh, not the, the same william blake but referenced in the in the same same poet and uh and he's just falling asleep on a train and the scenery keeps changing and the people around him get weirder and I don't know. You don't get much weirder than Crispin Glover. Can well, you imagine how terrifying say. that would be? Oh, it's so awesome. Waking up on a train across <laughs> from a soot faced Crispin Glover. Oh, my God. I, I, my stomach falls <laughs> every I time. It. I would be over the moon if a soot faced <laughs> Crispin Glover showed up and started going, I can't read uh, right in front of me. No, uh, we forgot to mention him in relation to Wild at Heart because he, sh- he shows up in that. He's the guy who likes to put cockroaches in his underwear oh, in yeah. Wild at Heart. Uh, yeah. He would, you would think he'd be more of a Lynchian. Every time oh, Crispin we... Glover shows up, what a strange career Crispin Glover's had. Imagine just talking to his grandchildren and being like, I was in Charlie's Angels and Epic Movie and uh, Wild at Heart and uh, Dead Man and various other things. And and I just, he's a <laughs> yeah. fascinating character. Yeah. But anyway. I love the opening. I love Soot-Faced Christmas Glover. And I and I enjoy Machine specifically, the town, the mm-hmm. the stranger in a strange land yeah. um, premise. Who has the, come from Cleveland, which come, we never see. It begins totally in the race. He wears a ridiculous plaid suit. Plaid suit that's that, I mean, everything about him sets him apart from everyone else. Can and I we be, understand that immediately. Can I be very superficial here about Johnny Depp? Oh, well, we're going to have to address a lot of Johnny Depp stuff. But well, yeah. I like Johnny Depp. I, I'm, I'm, I don't think that okay. I well, don't need you, to you, mince you words. Okay, I like Johnny Depp. I think he's really good in something like Ed Wood and in you know, a lot of um, Tim Burton stuff, Sweeney Todd. Um, I think he's a very good actor. I think he's had some interesting things happen to him lately. But what I was going to say about, we, we talk about peak hotness. Ah. And one thing I will say at, to Dead Man's detriment and I know no one is going to agree with me on this. I'm just putting this out here. I think Johnny Depp's a little too attractive for this movie. I disagree. I, I think, think that's part of the point. I think he stands out more than in a different way than I think, like, um, like I think of Eraserhead. Okay, Eraserhead is a different movie. But aesthetically, you have industrial environments, you have barren landscapes, you have a person who's completely out of their element. And so there's a, there's a similarity. Black and white cinematography, there's a weird absurd people talking weird to you blah 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 jack nance in that always just has this kind of like wide-eyed naivete of like what what is going on why am i here what is this weird place johnny depp he's just he's just got a he's got a little bit too he's a little bit too even keeled and part of it is that he's just a very very handsome man and i just don't buy the like i get that he stands out but I don't necessarily think he stands out in a way that I would, I'm, I'm, it felt distracting. Um, and I understand that that is maybe just me. Uh, maybe it took me this long to realize that in this <laughs> that era. That you find him too pretty. That I find him too pretty. Whereas with <laughs> Ed Wood, for whatever reason, he he falls into that character and I don't even really uh, think about it. And Ed Wood came out before this. No. Well, it, I guess so. But did yeah. you know that both these films, Dead Man and Ed Wood, were in competition at the same con film festival. Oh, no, I did not. Okay. Yes. So, well, that's I mean, a good this, year. Th- this is really peak depth. Yeah, yeah. I think, at least for his 90s. And now, Depp has turned into an absolute garbage human. Yes, I don't. I don't I think don't. he's had a good performance in at least a decade. Oh, come on. So far as I can see. I mean, just, Sweeney Todd I, I was believe great. Amber Heard, I think. He was good just, in that dark. He has really, ugh, dark. Just, well, I believe Amber yeah, Heard, yeah. too. I believe they're no, both I mean, awful it's, it's, people. It's hard. It, it's really hard to go back and see Johnny Depp as he was in the '90s because you can't erase that either. I mean, just we can sort of acknowledge what has happened to him more recently, but I mean, Johnny Depp in the '90s was a whole vibe with him. Are you You're ta- too young to remember all of this. No, I, 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 I will I, remember. 
over mm-hmm. parts of the Caribbean. But, yeah, then, but that's 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 second wave. That's, that's second, second wave. wave. But yeah. even even Mordecai, that's the second peak. He was good in Mordecai. Can we talk about Mordecai? No, we cannot. I'm absolutely not. I love Mordecai. Um, anyway. So 1995 at Con, I did some digging. Okay, okay? and Do you even we know have what a Mordecai lot of. Is? You just you just said you just. It's I I know what it is. Why would I want to see that movie? <laughs> He's good in it. I know. He's no, doing like a I, weird, like Pink Panther meets I don't Austin believe Powers you, but thing. You, I, I don't believe Oh, God. That, <laughs> that alone sounds terrible. Um, so 1995 at Cannes, Jean Moreau is the jury president. Um, oh. This is very close to post-Winona Ryder dating period. Okay. Um, see, you're too young to remember this. Because other I, know, I remember mind, who Winona like, Ryder oh, is. Oh, yeah. Well, she, he dated Winona Ryder very famously. It's like right around the time of Edward Scissorhands, right? They're in Edward Scissorhands together. Um, and so that's, of course, Tim Burton. And this is sort of what gets Johnny Depp really a lot of his initial um, Hollywood attention. He'd yes. done other stuff. He'd done television and whatnot. He did he did Cry Baby with John Waters as a sort of um, Elvis ripoff. Where was, where was What's Eating Gilbert Grape? That's all this? Ni- about 1993. That's Lassa Hallstrom. Okay. Um, or maybe it's earlier than 93. But yes, it was post What's Eating Gilbert Grape, um, which people saw, but mostly- um, Leo. Mostly for, yes, Leo DiCaprio. He got a lot of the um, accolades for that one. So anyway, at this point in 1995, he's dating Kate Moss. Again, none more 90s than Johnny Depp dating Kate Moss. Um, So in competition alongside Dead Man, as I said, Ed Wood. So again, Depp's got two entries in Cannes. That's that's really something. City of Lost Children from Jeunet and Caro, the French kind of sci-fi. Have you seen City of Lost Children? Yeah. Okay. I don't like all the foot foot massages. Okay. It's it's very Freudian as well. But anyways, that's uh, I'd recommend that one. La Haine. From Matthew Kasowitz is also at that con. Um, the winner that year was Underground from Emir Kusturica. Uh, Depp had just worked with him on his previous film, Arizona Dream, in 1993. Hmm. So Depp is connected to the winner uh, of that year, even without that film. Jaylon's short film, Koza, or Cocoon, was at that con. And I'm wondering if he met Jarmusch while he was there. Because as we mentioned in um, our Sight and Sound episode, uh, Jaylon put Stranger Than Paradise on his mm. top 10 of all time. So this idea of time and spending time is really a precursor to what we would now call slow cinema. But I, I still don't think that's quite what Jarmusch is doing. There's, no. a, there's a different twist that he has on that idea that doesn't really fit what slow cinema has become. I will not be taking further questions at this time. Um, Todd Haynes' is Safe was in the director's fortnight that year. Fortnite. Uh, uh, director's Fortnite. Yes, a different sort of collection. But anyway, I mean, just imagine 1994 is when Pulp Fiction kind of takes Khan by storm. Uh-huh. And then 95 comes along. Heard and, of that and, movie. And Depp, I'm sure you had five posters on your wall. Let's just be honest. <laughs> I think my Talk dad about did. film school things. Uh, we had a lot of VHS copies of Pulp uh, oh, Fiction. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay, multiple different dubs, I'm sure. You know. Anyway, um, so it was 1995. It just, just man, 1995. Shout out. 1995. I mean, this really? must have been, yes, this must have Were been Were Spice a real, Girls around? Uh, I think that was a bit early for Spice Girls. Oh. But yeah, but anyway, the fade in, fade out stuff. Um, he does something similar in Stranger Than Paradise, but it's yes. much more disciplined in Stranger Than Paradise. Um, what What's happening here is a bit more like, like you said, it, you can make it a drinking game. It seems a bit more loosely constructed. It's more surreal. It, 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 it does. It makes it really surreal. And and I guess I guess fundamentally my thing with the Dead Man is he made a surreal psychedelic western. Yeah. And uh, I what, just what Jonathan Rosenbaum calls an acid western. An well, fantastic, yeah. great. I, I I appreciate that. I think more than maybe the movie in its totality. Uh, I think that that conceptually is such a cool idea, and it is. And I would say compared to something like Only Lovers Left Alive, it transcended my expectations of what that is. Hmm. Um, so you had an idea, and this. Especially initially, kind of blew up your idea. I was not expecting a racer head. I was not <laughs> expecting weird, mechanical. I wasn't expecting the whole town of machine, um, like the the casting of this movie. Just, oh God, it's great! And Neil Young, just like okay, the. Can we just pause for a second and say Gary Farmer? Nobody having the time of his life making this movie. Okay. He's having. So much. He's fun. not Native American, is he? He is. He is Native American. He is. Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh no. Jarmish was very, very careful about this. And here's where I can put in. Johnny Depp has some Native American background too. Well, that's what he. That's what he claimed right. when he played Tonto in 
the Lone Ranger, and it was that that was a complete Lone Ranger, disaster. a spiritual successor to Dead Man. Who went, well? Have anyway, you seen Lone Ranger? I have. Okay. I saw it in the theaters. <laughs> Opening weekend. You were... Yeah, and Army Hammers had some. Yeah, they're both real fantastic great people. News for him, Swinston. Uh She says with. Um, uh, tongue firmly in cheek. No, so the, I think really probably the best thing that I read for this little treatise on Jim Jarmusch that I wrote up uh, is a very close reading of Dead Man um, by a critic by the name of Sam Durant. Uh, Critical Spirits, New Animism as Historical Materialism. And I, this is a dense read, <laughs> I gotta say. Like, this okay, is I'm, not. I'm, I'm preparing I don't, I mean, myself. Wickham is half asleep already. Um, <laughs> the publication is New Formations. Uh, it just came out in 2021. So this is a very recent revisiting of Dead Man. Okay. And, um, but particular attention is paid in Durant's work to, um, again, the myth of the Western and how Jarmusch really very deliberately dismantles a lot of it. And a lot of it hinges precisely on his representation of Native culture through this figure that Gary Farmer embodies. And Gary Farmer is a Native American actor who's been in a bunch of stuff. Yes. You can just look up his list. It's, I did. I just looked up his it, list. It's, it's amazing. Smoke Signals is the one that I've taught before. And he's one of the leads in, well, I guess a supporting actor in that. He's the absent father. Um, but anyway, Gary Farmer Really, just you can see how much fun he is having, and just and delivering all of these monologues, and just and you know, usher, know ushering if... Johnny Depp, who who is very convincingly playing like, I have no where have I landed? About. Like just just he's he he's already a fish out of water with the white people, and then he ends up you know, befriended by this 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 Native American who finds him you know near death, and and you know, kind of ushers him through to the afterlife if we look at this uh, from that metaphorical standpoint. But anyway, Sam Durant, fantastic, fantastic read if you can get through all the stuff about new animism and critical theory, which I think is also very well done. Let me just put that out there. But you can skip ahead to the parts about Dead Man and still get what you need out of that. I think I needed to warm up a little bit to nobody. I I, I thought he was a little too anachronistic which i understand was part of the point with him just sort of flagrantly cursing and <laughs> and just the way he spoke and the way he like he alternated between being very contemporary of when uh when this movie came out but also being sort of stereotypically kind of native american he kind of flipped back and forth and eventually he sort of grew on me but there's a bit that I really thought that the movie was going to go off the rails. It's very, it's amazing to me when I can pinpoint like this does not work at all. <laughs> when um, he's he's talking about his backstory, yeah, yeah, and it's flashing to his backstory, and I realize I have I don't care about nobody's backstory. Um, like the movie has not gotten me to care, and and Neil Young's score is not matching. We can no, talk about Neil. Yeah, we yeah. can talk about Neil Young's score, which is very compelling. I but, love it. But Neil Young's except score, for this moment, yeah, you're right. It's just like drown, it drowns him out. And yeah. I'm like, I'm like, what is happening? Yeah, why yeah. do we? Why do yeah. we need his backstory? He make as a as a nobody as this character who's obsessed with William Blake. He's more interesting when we don't know anything about him. Um, and he's just this kind of compelling, like mysterious presence or whatever, kind of down to earth. So that whole bit did not work. But eventually, by the end, when he's sort of his his chum, um, and he and he hallucinates, you know, seeing him as a, a skull, and he puts mm-hmm. and he takes steals his eyeglasses. He he warm he warmed up to me, to me just because he was kind of goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it took me a little bit because I was I was still so compelled by just the weirdness of that whole town initially. And I kind of wish they didn't leave that town so quickly. Hmm. Um, Cause like Gabriel Byrne showing up yeah. for like a f- five minutes to be like, I loved you and I'm sorry, here's my gift. And yeah. just the little bit parts uh, just, yeah, just like, okay, you're casting a movie Colleen. Okay. And you need a cantankerous like middle management person, <laughs> not the big, big cheese, but yeah. like a middle person. Yes. John Hurt is available somewhere. Why don't we? Why don't we get him? To, like, like, oh, <laughs> like, like, perfect. Yeah, and then, and then, yeah. yeah, the big, the big boss. Um, he's just like, I'm a very busy man. And then, like, as soon as he goes into the office, goes over to the door, <laughs> he's like listening in at the stops everything just to be like <laughs> giggling I love behind it. the I door. I just love it. And um, and uh, and you know, Lance Hendrickson as the the head bounty hunter who looks shockingly like Bill 
uh, Carradine in this. Yes, he does. It's true. Um, it's true. With his hair. I mean, this is one of those times where I'm like looking at my phone multiple times like, are we sure that's not a Carradine? <laughs> no, it isn't. Still not Carradine. No. Still not him. <laughs> Still not him. He just glowers. Yeah, but um, so what did you think of Mitchum? Ha. Uh, it was Aww. nice to see him. I like his painting. Yeah. And his bear <laughs> and his shotgun. But there was a part where he's sort of reading his lines and it felt very like he was just reading them. There's one part where he says, go get them, boys, or something. And he does like a smirk. And that was kind of fun where he sort of got into it. And he was, but there was another bit of it where he's just sort of going like, I got you three to go get these people who killed these people. And it just felt like he was just sort of saying his lines yeah i think i'm i if i'm not misremembering i think he filmed the movie and he passed before the movie was even released so this was really like yeah very very end of his life yeah so it was very nice to see him yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think and i saw a glimmer of yeah of him um but i just uh, uh william hurt kind of stole yeah. when it, 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 <laughs> the just the idea scene. of william hurt in a racer head is like perfect <laughs> just just as the head of some sort of weird industrial complex um or the middle management person of yeah. that um he doesn't do that much a lot of people show up briefly yep i could watch a whole movie of billy bob thornton <laughs> and iggy pop and uh, jared harris jared and jared harris <laughs> jared harris yes talking about beans um <laughs> good god that that won me back so quickly there's possum in this there's possum in this and, and iggy pop is wearing like a bonnet yeah he's, for he's, whatever reason he's sally okay. Yes, and Salvatore, Salve, Sally. And they yeah. sort of are they're just, uh, yeah. flirting with and yeah. fr- go out to kill Johnny Depp. And that whole oh, bit yeah. <gasps> was great. That's that's the dread, dread for days. Well, no, it's like fun dread. It, it's like it's yes. like whimsical. It, it, like it, Yes, whimsical dread. Your hair looks so nice, you know. Uh, and it's just, soft. It's so like soft. Girls. My hair my hair sucks. My yeah. hair, I can't get it to. <laughs> I can't do anything with it. I never right. thought Billy Bob Thornton would... <laughs> Make me laugh so much. Um, yeah, and his nice coat. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- th- it was like a, it was like a road trip thing where yes, his different vignettes. Some yes. were really compelling, and I think cumulatively, by the time you get to the end, and just how tired Johnny Depp gets, yes, and how he's clearly not eating anything, and he's slowly fading away. Yeah, it became kind of f- fun in that sense of just like. Just, just the the aggravation of like, oh god, I have to kill this guy now. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, these people yeah. are after me. Okay, well, I'll shoot you. Oh, I got shot. Oh well. Okay, just the 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 casual nature of the murder mm-hmm. and the and the violent um, landscape treated in this Jarmuschian. Uh, laid back sort of way I thought was an interesting very fun pairing and mm-hmm. I think that outside I think they uh, he could have pushed the surreality he could have maybe pushed the the absurdity and the acid of the movie a little bit more oh, I don't know I, well especially that opening just the environment and the things that he's seeing as he's walking through yeah. this town and yeah. and the absurdity of him getting in it was like it was like after hours or something that <laughs> Scorsese film of like comedy misadventures yeah but it kind of settles into him just kind of traveling and i and and with little kind of moments that were fun yeah. punctuating it yeah, but, but he doesn't understand what's going on right johnny depp has absolutely no but he ideas. gets more confident in he murdering more, people he does and and he also ends up trusting nobody yeah. quite a bit more who i mean it's it's nobody's quest ultimately because you know Depp's just sort of just he's William Blake is just sort of there and doesn't understand what's happening to him can't really communicate in a way there's, that they there, there's a moment that, where he poses with a shot deer yes yes and i didn't and, i didn't buy that for a second i think that but i think that's really the turning point where like that's where he starts to i think he's alone at that point yeah. because nobody's sort of like been like He's See off sleeping, sleeping with a woman. What, but I mean, there was no like, I'll be back for nothing. Just like he disappears and yeah. suddenly he's on his own. I think he, you know, he sort of communes with the, he put, dips his finger in the blood and adds the blood to his face. And But as, as, as it this just, it's, saccharine, it's, it, it was this very serious kind of poetic moment. I don't think mm-hmm. it, it landed compared to him just shooting Alfred Molina, who's Ooh. this scummy. yeah. Uh, trading post trading post person and then him shooting him and just going oh, i'm tired like that to me was the joy of yeah. dead man of just sort yeah, of like yeah. sort of nihilistic but yeah, also yeah. kind of kind of 
C O O L about it. <laughs> no, it's it, it's it's Jarmusch's ability to just take the beats of the Western as a genre and yeah. undercut them at every turn yes. in ways that you could never predict, even knowing how Jarmusch operates. Like just, it just feels so surprising to me Yeah, going through. And I, I mean, he does this with the vampire film too. This is sort of his first foray into genre deconstruction after how many films of just sort of, yes, okay, it's road trip. I mean, we get the bit of the road trip here. Yeah. Um, but you know, this is sort of where we get like, okay, he's going to take the Western and dismantle it. He takes the vampire film and dismantles it. He takes the zombie film and dismantles it. Um, there yeah. are some other films in there, like, you know, Patterson is not really a genre film. Right. Broken Flowers is not really yeah. a genre film. Like, um, like Bill Murray Renaissance subgenre. Okay, sort of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the timing certainly works out for that. Um, but it's, I, apparently a lot of Jarmusch, um, uh, Jarmish heads don't particularly care for broken flowers. I discovered. I think it's just that they're bitter that it made forty-seven million dollars. <laughs> by like a long shot, that's his top-grossing movie. That is, that is weird that it would be. But, but I think but it is. Not, the, it is the highest lost in translation. Yeah, it is. And it's also just that it's a very clean plot. Yeah. It's. A, I mean, which is not necessarily the case for a lot of. And his it other kind of movies. trails off at the end. And so this the second highest-grossing Jarmish movie. I think I told you this once, but you may have forgotten. Do you have a guess? Thailand, do you have a guess? Second highest? Second highest. Broken Flowers, far and away, 47 million. That's like top, top, top. Of the- it is triple second place. Str- Stranger Than Paradise? No. What? No. In terms of box office, The Dead Don't Die, uh, the yeah. zombie movie. Which everyone hated, Well, seemingly. I mean, it, it got decidedly they, mixed they reviews. They turned on Jarmusch a little bit there. A little bit, yeah. It's not his his best-reviewed film by a, also kind of a long shot, Patterson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stranger Than Paradise, I think, is a close second. But but that, again, sort of came out when, you know, Indy Dead was Man just, was not particularly well-reviewed. It was, I, it was terribly reviewed. Which made it better for me. It, um, I, I, you know, the... <laughs> There were so many comments on Mubi um, for this, and here is where I have to say I've got beef with one Daniel S. Despite his five star should, review, you realize people comically say they have beef with random people on the uh, internet, like <laughs> cheesy cheesy man four four twenty or something. Yep. Okay. Yeah, Daniel S. You're on notice. Um, shall I read Daniel S.'s comment? I don't know if we man. should give him the time of day. I, but go ahead. I, I this is like the best slashed worst thing i think i've ever read in a movie movie comment because it just for dead man. riled me up just ever honestly okay, okay, okay initiatory journey through a haunting black and white landscape neil young's musical score is adequate put a pin in that and the cast <laughs> is stellar until now jarmish annoyed me so i was literally blown away by this work masterpiece Daniel S. It's because of the adequacy, I think, of Neil Young's score. Neil Young's musical score is adequate. I just that that definitely brings the acid. Throws me for a loop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the only but but I think Wickham, you're exactly right to say the the only spot where it really doesn't work is when it totally overpowers nobody's sort of backstory monologue, and you're just like, just turn it, Neil, down. Couple notches. Silence. <laughs> and I not silence necessarily, but it is just, just like we don't need Mixing, this sort of maybe blah, it's more blah, of an issue. Blah. It's yeah. really yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean it doesn't need to be quite so angry. I it's think. also it's also like to... trust us to get angry at what happens to this kid because it it's he gets knocked in the head and he gets yeah. kidnapped and taken to England and and you know it, it is you know stories that actually did happen <laughs> between you know Within... Native Americans and and right. European colonizers. I mean, so that's the, we don't want to dismiss this right as it... totally irrelevant. I think it is drama, sort of again nodding to the horrors of. Yeah. Settler colonialism as it happened in the United States in that part of the world. So, you know, I mean, we don't want to, you know, dismiss it or say that it's not necessary. I think he's trying to do something with this, but I, you know, and Neil Young does not need to punctuate that with really angry guitars for us, I think. Um, I do think that some variety, it is adequate. Um, Some variety, some variety. I'm Daniel S, by the way. That's my pseudonym. That's your pseudonym? Um, I should have (laughs) known. I do think it it is. I could have used more variety in terms of the the score. There's a, I think it's Eric Clapton does a score for um, uh, uh, The Hit, uh, which is a movie you haven't seen, also with John Hurt, where there's this like really awesome like guitar solo 
opening thing for the credits as as John Hurt like stands up on a cliff with a beautiful white suit on. Speaking of nice suits, you might uh, like it. He wears oh. a nice suit. Mm. Um, but that's it. It's the same. It, it reminds. Just a suit. Well, no, no. The 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 the, the twangy. It's very similar, oh, actually. Kind good. of guitars wailing into the void. Yeah. Um, is just for that one bit, and then the rest of the movie kind of has another thing. I kind of mm. wish that Neil Young's score was 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 injected with more. Um, uh, specificity I because I, I think it, yeah. it it definitely needs to be there. I'm not saying yeah, yeah. it's bad or that it's no, no. it's not it doesn't make the movie because it absolutely does. But I think yeah, it wore on me just the repetitiveness of kind of the yeah. That to me is the only sequence where it doesn't work. Otherwise, I like the return to this little riff. Yeah, that I think really does capture this this sort of. The, it captures the mood certainly from um, William Blake's standpoint. Um, of what's going on, this sort of like forward propulsion, but also a kind of, you know, you know, you're just, you know, you're, what's the word I'm looking for? Resi- resignation. That's it. He's resigned to what's happening to him. And the more he gets resigned to it, the more powerful he actually is to resist some of the most awful stuff that's around him. So anyway. Yeah. Dead man. Yeah. Dead man. It was, it was, uh. A singular experience, and yes, I and I go for that, is, and yeah. and I think upon repeat viewings, I think I would yeah. enjoy it infinitely yeah. you, more. You, you pick up so much more in the repeat viewings, and again, like once once like you understand where they're going because I, yes. I I feel this is the one where I, I remember seeing this for the first time. I think back in the nineties, no idea what I was watching, <laughs> and, and but I mean it just. You know, once you get sort of the the map in your head of where this is going to end up, you can really appreciate the steps that he takes you through to get yes, there. Yes, it does, and, and it holds up tremendously of, well. Presence of nobody and virtually yes. everything that he says to him. Yeah. And I guess Lance Hendrickson doesn't really matter ultimately. Um, <laughs> well, but... it's it's funny when he you know takes out his com- his comrades. <laughs> he tells them not Very to drink nice. the water. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's bad for your health. It's like. F you. And they shoot some. It's uh, yeah. it's uh, it's rather brutal. The violence oh, it in is. it is shockingly it is. brutal, it is. which I kind yeah. of enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was like, Jesus, why does it have to be so? Oh, you got to go. You got to go with Ghost Dog. We haven't even talked about Ghost Dog, which I haven't seen since it came out, I guess. But I mean, yeah, Ghost Dog with Forrest Whitaker as. Uh, is very violent, too. It's well, he's a hitman for right. the mafia. Um, but and, that's going but, for like a he, samurai. Yes, sort of but that's the thing. He's vibe. a hitman for the mafia who tries to live by the samurai code. That sounds like a movie I would enjoy. That sounds like a hundred percent Jarmish, <laughs> and it absolutely is. But Forrest Whitaker, holy crow! I mean, you know, it's no news to see. He's, <laughs> He's a very a good actor, tremendous actor. Uh, he really just. Did man, you ever that see movie's great. A tangent. Did you ever see Last King of Scotland? Yes. Where he's and I mean, He's terrifying. He's really in that good. Movie. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Thailand, have you seen that one? Oh man! He's what is his what is his full name? Yeah, Idi Amin. Idi Amin. Yeah. yeah, he's like a dictator. Yeah, sort of yeah. figure, and he alternates between being very chummy. Yeah, and you want to be friends with him, and totally flipping out. Um, but uh, anyway, yes. Anyway, Dead Man. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Oh, I'm glad you you got to. Watch I don't it. know if I loved it, but I think if I was to revisit it, I <laughs> yeah. would because it's just it's just my kind of thing. I, yeah. I think I think I was more disappointed that it wasn't more my kind of thing. But by the end, <laughs> it wasn't written exactly for me. Yeah, and that's what I was disappointed by. Yeah. Oh well. Spoken, and Johnny Depp, spoken like a stupid white maybe man. Maybe I'm just attracted to just Johnny. A quote. May, what? <laughs> spoken like a stupid white man. I exactly. <laughs> I am a stupid effing white man. Um, but you should I like Gary Farmer say that. Yeah, I, I need him. He he. That was one <laughs> of his better line reads. Oh. He says it like seven times. Yes, he does. Um, <laughs> maybe you, I he's just having a great time. Realize that I enjoy seeing Johnny Depp in face paint with long hair in the woods, and maybe my uh, me being attracted yeah. to him in this. Maybe that was part of the distraction. Yeah. But I do think like someone just more kind of bright eyed and naive and just sort of normal looking. I think I would have been more. Oh, I just I don't think he can be normal and sell this part, to be honest. I, I think Depp was perfectly cast for this. OK, well, personally, okay. Uh, that's again, like very peak 90s, very peak Depp. I like, think my wife likes the movie because of him. Because of him. Yeah, I think, that's I think there's a lot more to like than just him and his performance. Um I mean Gary Farmer. Yeah, every, all the all the big, all the Gary Farmer fans. Uh, it, well, there's we're legion. <laughs> I must have seen him in something. He You've seen very, him in a bunch. He of looked stuff, very familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are <laughs> legion. Is that what he said? That's what I said. 
I stand by that. Did you have any other? Because you have like a you know a Bible with you. Did I, you do you have any other things? Any fun tidbits on Jarmusch? Um, no, I went through con. I yes. Um, so drama, box office drama results. criticism. Well, um, no, we went through the box office. We went through that. Oh, just uh, we could all maybe maybe note that Jarmusch has not always even made back his budget. Mystery Train didn't make back its budget, which it probably wasn't that big of a um, budget. No, like two million yeah. didn't make it back. Yeah, I mean, so he has this very checkered record. Um, very low budget films. Uh, some like Broken Flowers had ten million, which is his biggest yeah. budget. But he, you know, a lot of big it, stars but, in that. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, but I mean, look at this movie. Stars yeah. in this movie. I mean, the, the cast is really truly stacked. Are you saying the opening weekend of but, Dead Man wasn't? But apparently, like the Weinstein's bought it sight unseen. Oh. You know, Johnny Depp is doing an acid yeah. western, and of yeah. course, you know the. The, you know, Rosenbaum hadn't attached the term to it yet, but still, you know, they, they sort of bought it sight unseen and then saw it and went, the hell did we just purchase? <laughs> and so what ended up this? kind of dumping it. So, I mean, this is the thing with Jarmusch's films and, 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 and his career is a really interesting look at film history. Um, so let me shout out one more thing. Um, now that you mention it is uh, Juan Suarez uh, did um, a Jarmusch book for the contemporary film directors series out of University of Illinois Press. Hmm. Bunch of different directors in that one. Um, this is from 2007. So it doesn't cover the most recent Jarmusch, but it's a really, really great overview of just not just Jarmusch's films, but sort of the industry realities that he's wrestling with as a resolutely independent filmmaker. He puts the independent in indie filmmaking, mm -hmm. truly, and always has, um, and has weathered so many different industrial changes since, you know, the early 80s. So, I mean, that is a really great study that has, you know, kind of interesting tendrils in lots of different areas of film studies. So I highly recommend Juan Suarez's uh, profile of Jarmusch yeah. um, as this overview. And again, like for the industry stuff, he gets into a lot of that. I do think it's fascinating how um, Jarmusch is like, is one of the many, like it's amazing to think that an indie filmmaker uh, like himself in just his vast variety of messing with different genres and all these people he's worked with, that he can have be so distinctive. The idea that you can lend texture to this mm -hmm. medium. Yeah. Yeah. That's such an awesome yeah. Yeah. thing. He's such a cinematic filmmaker. And that yes. sounds redundant. But yes. I think what's striking is how intertextual his works are. He pulls from literature and yeah. photography and music and just all of this other stuff. And yet when he makes a film, you can really – it couldn't be anything else. You, you, can't, you can't take Dead Man and make a novel out of it. You really can't. You Maybe know. a graphic novel. Even then, I even then, no, there, there is again with time. Again, he, he's so intent on controlling time. I thought, it wouldn't be as I, good. I thought of Lydia yes. Tarr. <laughs> when you push play on Dead Man, you'd better, you'd better. And if take Lydia the Tarr entire... showed up in the woods, that'd be great. That 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 would be a really great Saturday Night Live bit. Yeah, she but, lectures uh, like, like two people would understand. She lectures to Johnny Depp about <laughs> about the command of time, and then he shoots her. Yeah. That would have been nobody would shoot her, I think. No. Well I... Well he doesn't shoot he doesn't shoot anybody, I no, have no, to say. No. Yeah, he, he always gives the gun to to At one point like... he's reacting to a shotgun. He's like, oh, Whoa yeah. and then he accidentally shoots someone with it. Yes. But that's so... about as far as it goes. <laughs> All right. That's our episode. You Made Me Watch That is a production of the Department of Communication and Design at Beale Kent University. You can support the podcast by subscribing with your favorite audio app and by following the Beale Kent Cinema Society on Instagram at Beale Kent Cinema, all one word. Our cover art was designed by Denis Vaditungur. Our weekly thumbnails are designed by Tyla Nakul. Our theme music was composed by Dazia Zavsky, who you can follow on Instagram and Spotify. This episode was produced by Tyla Nakul and the Beale Kent Cinema Society with extra teshekular to our tech wrangler, Uzjan Akar. Do you have any special thanks for this episode? Nico? I do. I wanted to also say there is a Kate Blanchett connection. She, <gasps> one of my favorite performances of her is in Coffee and Cigarettes. Ah, uh, yeah. she's talking to herself. Yeah. But my special thanks is to Michael Wincott, uh, who shows up in Nope. Um, Jordan Peele got him mm -hmm. as this crusty cinematographer for Nope. But uh, So the entire movie of Dead Man, I was like, where have I seen this guy before? <laughs> I know he's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah. But there's my favorite bit in Dead Man is when he's he makes the startling, because he's the chatty hitman yes. of the group, <laughs> when he makes this great realization of like, aren't you glad that 
There's some progression to sundown. It's, yeah. Imagine if we were just going in the woods and suddenly it just went straight to night. <laughs> we would all freak out. That was like one of my favorite I observations. Fell off the couch. <laughs> I was, was like, yeah, that so would be hard. horrifying. So thank God there's a gradual descent. So uh, Michael Wincott's Conway, um, thank you for making such a great observation. That's my well, the, the line reading on Jarmish's script there. Let's, yeah, let's give credit where it's due. Yes, which is very split credit. Thank you, Wickham. Thank you, Cody. Mm-hmm.